welcome back to blacker couch reviews i'm your host christina we are back for a book review on isaac asimov's foundation series which is a science fiction genre book series he has a lot of books in his collection and i am not only referencing his foundation book series but he also wrote some uh, additional prequels to this series i'm not gonna be doing the prequels just quite yet <laughs> maybe at another time but because i am watching the television series foundation i wanted to acquaint myself a little bit more heavily into the world and this first novel a prequel as it were was definitely an eye-opener I belatedly realized that they are the television series mind you are pulling from the prequel novels which is going to be the second follow-up forward to foundation before they jump into actual foundation so they are technically pulling elements from three books which has me wanting to rewatch the first season which I am going to do again because now I have a new contextualization, particularly around one Demrazel. And what this can all mean going forward. The original trilogy is Foundation, Foundation, and Empire in Second Foundation. It's really going hard for those uh, title cards. And then he finishes off with two additional novels, Foundation's Edge and Foundation and Earth. Prelude to Foundation was written or released in 1988. He stated that he did not do these novels in universal order, chronological universal order. So, or he wrote them or he plotted them out something to that effect <laughs> so the second foundation was expanded with the two prequels and the two sequels that's interesting because as someone who's attempting to write myself an expanded universe that would have to take far more novels than i originally intended because to answer this question, I have to answer this question and to answer that question. It all begins and ends in separate parts in your brain. So the fact that he decided to write in that manner gives me a little bit more inspiration and confidence that I don't need to figure everything out from beginning to end if I if I can maneuver certain parts to where I need it to be. I think that that's something that's not really taught quite as, as you know, you're, you're meant to as a writer posit every little detail out and not fill in the gaps. Because I think with that, you do run the risk of, you know, Harry Pottering it. <laughs> <laughs> which is a reference you would only get if you agreed with the assessment I have on Harry Potter, which is that I thought the first six novels were pretty strong, even up to the seventh. No, it was the sixth, maybe even the fifth, but the last couple, you can tell that it wasn't quite as thought out. If that is um, like, there was, there was things that certainly weren't weren't fully developed in the same manner it felt anyway the consistency that the first six books and I know that other writers like uh J.R.R. Martin uh, and and many many others <laughs> uh are struggling with that nowadays when you have something that is a little bit more in depth and requires so much more it's it's a difficulty building a world and then making it that world consistent and making it play by all the rules in which you've put together so either you do it all at once or i guess you could do it in this way and it could be successful 
that rant being done let's get into the actual the actual plot of the the series because as I stated it it starts in a place I was not expecting based on my tv viewing Harry Selden is a young man he is a professor of mathematics something that is highly it feels as if his profession is something that's highly valued on transfer itself he has this speech at a mathematics conference about this idea that the future can be predicted based on a model called psychohistory something that he doesn't feel has a practical application he's just someone who has a theory that a formula he he said you can predict the future using mathematical equations or formulas uh to plot a, a course for the human species this gets the attention of the emperor who wants to speak with him the emperor being one cleon the first there is no clones there are no cleo clones in this universe so it took me a minute to recontextualize that in my brain there's this one guy and that he's considered a amiable but very accurately described in the show as well or portrayed in the show by the actor as more of a petulant spoiled fairly incapable ruler you know he's not evil but he's not particularly good he's somewhere that is in the middle and he wants to he aspires to this cleon be something of a normal person he wants to talk to harry face to face no guards call me by my first name you don't have to use any ceremony with me i'm an intelligent person I want to utilize what I think you have because I believe it's important even though I don't fully understand why it's important or furthermore why Selden is saying that it's not feasible. Explain to me. Explain to me. We didn't get much of Cleon in this first novel. I wonder if we will continue because it seemed as if he was a not a young man but not particularly an older man but we do get a little bit in his head where he is he's pondering disciplining or getting rid of the prime minister Ido Demrazel because of how powerful they are but there's awareness within Cleon that he could not do without Demrazel. And that can be a very resentful thing. And I think that translate translates well into the series. That there is a bit of a uh, dependence, but a reluctant dependence, and certainly not one that doesn't negate him from doing things such as threatening Demrazel. You ain't going to do shit. It has to be a bit emasculating as well to know you have all this power and yet you don't seem to be capable of wielding it as egotistically as one might desire. And maybe his want of Harry Selden and his psychohistory to be a tool maybe in his mind he thought identifying that which I'm not even quite sure if he did identify but it wasn't brought up at the end by Ido Demrazel his he was very clear and it is a he and not a she as in the tv series as well that there were certain emotional triggers that were pulled and he went into detail about each 
time and why he pulled those triggers, I noticed he didn't mention Cleon. So did Cleon independently recognize this as a tool for his disposal for whatever reason that tool was? And then only to learn that he, well, in the end, I suppose he did get the tool that he wanted. <laughs> but it was Demrazel, but he could take some satisfaction in that. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just working through my thoughts here. So uh, indulge me, please, if you will, because I'm making a comparison in regards to the characterization of Cleon. With the clone thing, there's this superiority of DNA and now you take that away. What do you have but a man that is a little or a lot aware of their own puppeting place in the universe despite being content in that? And I think that that's going to be something they may mess with in season two. And the way in which they decided to uh, attack that was by this clone thing because I can't really think of a great reason for it other than to keep the actor around and it that's fine because you can also trace what is supposedly decades of things happening like the fall of the empire and it doesn't have to be inconsistent with 50,000 people's uh, uh, names it could be very uh it can be very consistently played. Do I have anything else to say about Cleon? Not much. Not much. We didn't get too much of him. But once he leaves, it's Ido Demrazel that convinces Cleon that, hey, you talk to the man. He said he can't do it. Cleon's convinced he can. And he, he's doing it mostly not for any... uh What's the word I'm looking for? It's ego driven. It's not for any uh, <laughs> uh, goals that are beyond himself. I can't find the right word for it right now. But that's not the case with Ido Demrazel, or should I say Cheddar Hummin, who meets Harry on a bench. He very quickly convinces him and, and I'm glad what really makes this book and I'm going to say this going through the plot point is there were a lot of moments where I kept thinking, well, that's odd, but I was so engrossed in the tale that I was allowing myself for the novel to tell me when I needed to know. I didn't know it was going to be at the last damn minute, but once that because it was so simple to be explained away you didn't you you there was no other appropriate place to put that right and then the minute the reveal happened you're like oh that makes a lot more sense because cheddar humming sitting on this park bench two uh two thugs from trantor come up to harry and try to rob him cheddar humming is able to to take down one while selden tries to take down the other and he instantly trusts this guy. He says he's a reporter. He never goes and checks up on what he reports on. Then he tells him, hey, this person named Ido Demrazel that works for the emperor, they're going to be after you. So we got to keep you hidden because they're trying to kill you. And along Harry Selden goes on this uh, quest to see if psychohistory or... I want to say it's more of a reconciliation that psychohistory could be more than just a an idea, but can be actually cultivated by Harry Selden himself. And the entire novel, I notice, and it's brought up at the end, thrown in Harry's face in a way that he of course is dismayed and repulsed by is his ego because everyone's telling him only you can do this Selden only you can figure it out you came up with this idea and because Hummin understood that Harry Selden's ego at creating this idea which gets him to agree to the 
the assertions he makes regarding Haman is the same reason why he can trust him with the secret is that you are acting as if you are not someone who wants to define something but while you do try to hide from your ego which makes you a great person it is still there and a part of you and what is going to be able to motivate you to actually conquer what is something what what is impractical as you continue to state yourself so it's kind of the idea of good people sometimes do things to assuage their ego it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not doing it for altruistic reasons but there is a personal satisfaction that ego that drives them to push further than everyone else and then when you have a support group that in a lot of people telling you (laughs) um and you got the empire looking after you know chasing you around the empire because you are special that is that is a part of what actually makes the the reality of what he can do become more of a reality so first he takes them to a university was it streeling university and he meets Doris Venonobili. Can't remember how to say her last name correctly, but she's a redhead that is a couple of years younger than Harry. Harry's had a broken heart, but he looks over at Doris and starts to get over it quickly. Kiki, do you love me? Are you riding? Say you never ever leave from beside me. Cause I want you and I need you. And I'm down for you. Now, Haman tells him that, hey, you're going to get a job here. You can work on your psychohistory. He sells him on the idea as well that you have the ability to change the world. I know that the, that the human species is going to disintegrate. Like the galactic empire is going to decay. It's going to degrade because Humans are human. They're getting less uh, motivated. They're getting less happy. There's a lot of things that he was really putting out there that makes humans thrive and continue to, to grow. And he sees that at the Galactic Empire, under that, it is beginning to fray. And he wants to have a plan in place. This reporter, mind you, which was my my first question in my head. I was like, what the fuck? What kind of reporter? I don't care if you work in for your, what do they call it? Nobel Peace Prize, okay? There's no way in shit. <laughs> I was thinking this reporter could possibly have this much influence or power to be able, like, know sure like in the knowing the knowledge of but to be able to so quickly change Selden's mind was a little not little was odd to me but I figured maybe this is a part of Harry Selden's naivete that he can be so easily taken advantage of especially if things seem to be going in the direction now Cheddar Hummin I knew was somehow lying to the man i just didn't know why and what about exactly but he definitely wasn't telling him the entire truth i thought it was too convenient he would leave the palace uh and i didn't put it together until the reveal but still (laughs) it was circling my mind that something was off either he was working with demerazel or he was working of his own accord for some other some other reveal we had not quite put together. So Harry and Doors, they end up escaping Streely University because the Empire, they sent agents to pick him up. Hummin allows for them to then be allowed shelter in the my 
mycogen sector, which is this cult-like society where everyone is in is covered from head to toe. They do not allow women to have much of any rights or say so. They worship what they call their home planet, which is Aurora. They do seem to praise the robots that came before them and wish to come back to the original uh the original home planet they believe that there's going to be a day in which they will be able to to uh to take over and bring back about this this place for them uh i don't know anything about aurora i don't know anything about the robots but we do know that there was this is probably coming from the novels before this series but this is not enough information for harry he wants to talk to a robot and he suspects they got one in there and so he and doors disguise themselves and i must say the mycogenians would have been dumb as hell if they did not notice the two outsiders that weren't even doing a real good job of being um insidious in their actions to sneak into where they believe the robot is which they do find it on display except it's an inactive chunk of metal the priest or the high priest of this society meets them there basically tells them congratulations you played yourself and after explaining that they are just scholars and they are just interested in the knowledge that they have. They're still sentenced to be executioned despite, oh, you can appeal to the emperor. He might do a stay of execution, but we pretty much govern ourselves. And that's something we learn as well throughout the novel is that despite Trantor having such a huge influence of power, in the far reaches of the universe it can't be everywhere at once there's what did someone say four hundred thousand million? how is that a number <laughs> people on one side of the planet so it's because the empire is overextending itself it weakens and this is actually if you think about it probably what's going to happen to america if it continues to overextend itself why you have people arguing back and forth about involving ourselves in every political fucking thing going out there it's like um maybe we should try looking at home base a little bit <laughs> even though uh, I think a lot of people have a misunderstanding of what the military is and who they would support in any type of military coup. Um, that is neither here nor there. There's that that natural fear. That's what happened to the Roman Empire. Roman Empire got too big for its britches. It tried to, it controlled all of it. I mean, how many empires have come before the Mongolia Empire, one of the biggest Alexandrian Empire. Look how far they extended. And yet none of them could be kept together because it's not a sustainable model. People need to be able to govern themselves and you can only govern so much. Mongolia, And then the Mongolia Empire lasted and was as successful as it was because it gave the people once they were conquered the ability to govern themselves like no we're not going to replace everybody we're not going to force you to um to believe what we believe but kind of like in the expanse novels because that's didn't isn't that what the um oh shit it's been a minute <laughs> It's going to be at the tip of my tongue and now it's going to bother me. But, um, shit. And it just, it, now I'm thinking about Terminus because I'm, now I'm stuck on foundation. Y'all know who I'm talking about. 
but how they came in and they tried to be like okay yeah we're the new power base however (laughs) you know everyone can just keep doing what they're doing we're just gonna put a couple of people in place here and there but we're not gonna try to inflict our beliefs onto you because they thought that would be the solution which is in part of a cooperating because then those societies become integrated however when there's an oppressor and freedoms and rights are taken away then you're always going to have the the natural human internal conflict because humans that's what we do we conflict (laughs) humans animals we're a species we're we're not we're special not that not quite as uh not still what's i can't talk today we're not quite not primates that's as this is as good as i'm gonna get so after my my suggestion my Sojinian. Haman arrives and they're excited to see them. See him. I want to say them because I keep seeing Haman as Demerzel from the TV show, but a, a male in the novel. But he convinces the high priest guy that, you know, you don't want to do it. And hey, the psychohistory thing, it might help you out sometime in the future. You never know. Plus, you know, you owe me one. (laughs) But once again, it happened. It wasn't so much that he was able to convince. It was to convince so easily. You're not one minute adamant, despite all rational reason, on murdering these people because that's how we and not only that he says look it's not even that you disrespected me you disrespected a whole culture a a whole group of people they're not happy about this all right so they might demand your blood even if i'm not but he's just he casually lets them go to which humans like i'm getting real tired of finding places for your ass to stay out of trouble and he also chastises doors you're supposed to protect him don't you put that evil on me ricky bobby don't you put that on us i thought that was weird as well because i'm like ain't she like a teacher at a university only been teaching for two years why is she assigned bodyguard (laughs) and she took it seriously too like i'm really supposed to protect you if i was a teacher i'm like i'm doing my best i don't know why you think i have the skills of a ninja but you just introduced this man to me and you asked me to take care of him and look after him i didn't know protecting him actually meant doing physical karate and shit in the streets of what they call it billy bottom (laughs) but that's exactly where they went next so from there they go to is what's the name of the planet i didn't think it was called uh to the dow sector where everyone has mustaches and they work in the heat sinks which is a place in which a lot of the power to transfer is sent there is a classism divide where the people who work in the heat sinks are gutter gum and the people who are not heat sinkers are considered civilized people and the racism is so real that you can't even stand out in the streets without the citizens particularly this bitch of a a uh, landlady the husband and wife it wasn't even the husband it's the wife and it usually is it's always the white women I don't know if they were supposed to be Caucasian. I just threw that out there <laughs> to be casually, correctly, stereotypically racist. But yeah, they're with this middle class family. They are accepting rent, right? More rent than they would have gotten to house these two people. Uh, Selden first wants to talk to the heat sinkers and figure out what that shit's all about he also 
finds out that you can cool. Like there's another place where Y is where you cool the heat to Trantor. And while this planet dull, it can rebel and the Galactic Empire would have a problem. It'd have a much bigger problem if Y were to rebel. I thought that was something of note, even though I didn't get all the schematics. <laughs> Nor am I going to try to explain all of them to you because I won't be able to. And he meets while he's there this kid named, I want to say Amaril, who recognizes him, who's also a mathematician. And he meets him at his house and he has him show him his equations. And he's told, look, I can't better myself because I'm a heat sinker. You're a heat sinker. You're always a heat sinker. You're not allowed to be anything more than a heat sinker. And that's it. That's my way in life. I can't even teach myself. And the only reason why I know this is because someone was kind enough to show me. So... Selden makes a promise that, hey, I'm going to get you into Streeling University because while what you came up with has already been discovered, the way you came to the same conclusion is different and you did it without being trained. So that's a talent. It's a very natural talent. And it seems to be someone that's of importance to, to Harry conquering psycho history we don't get much more other than that promise and him telling Hummin that I made that promise and I need you to to find that kid and make sure that he got his spot at Streeling University and even even Doris in that moment is kind of thrown off by the very visceral racism that's being shown not only to Dahl but they meet Raish Raish, the gutter snipe kid that Selden is going to adopt as his son. Their meeting too is very happenstance because he hears about Harry Selden, this place called Earth. First, he heard of a place called Aurora and this thing called Robots, which does, which do not exist in the Empire. And he wants to know more about that. He gets to Dal and he's like, oh, this problem of psychohistory again, how I'm going to condense all this shit into one, all these 12 million worlds into, you know, into this mathematical equation I can't figure out. But hearing the word earth, he wants to know more about it. And he hears that this woman named uh, Mama Tutu, that's not her name. <laughs> Mother Rita knows more about this thing called earth and so they go into the the badlands or the the billy bobs or whatever this place is called let's just say the hood they go into the hood and homegirl uh doris is taking her her bodyguard duty seriously she's like give me a knife not one i need two bitch <laughs> knives can be carried but not but they're not allowed to be utilized which is okay everybody's got a knife but i'm gonna arrest you for having a knife <laughs> they go down into the hood and when they get down there they they meet race who takes them to see where mama mama tita is mama rita is and for his his honesty in taking them where they needed to go harry had promised him a little computer to teach him how to read even though he really 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 wanted that knife and then that brings me back to the tv series and i'm thinking about that knife and i'm a little bit more sentimental a lot more sentimental quite frankly this leads to them talking to the woman who says, look, I'll, after they offer credits, she'll put down on disc what she knows about this thing called Earth. But what is very interesting that Harry learns at this moment is while when he was on Mycogen or in the Mycogenian sector, 
they talked of a robot that was a traitor to Aurora, whereas Mama Rita talks of a robot that was considered a savior or a friend and that that robot would um it was the enemy of the original planet which they was it an enemy i can't remember uh because she said the original world was earth not aurora and then i believe that the auroran said that it was an enemy of and then yeah it was mama rita who said it was a friend of humans because they're waiting for the day that they're going to come back and bring humanity back to where it needs to be or something to that effect and this gets harry thinking in a lot of directions however when they run into marin and his gang miss uh miss doris had to bring out her knife skills and while she didn't murder the man she did cut his mustache and i'm pretty sure what they say he was in the hospital and had to have surgery don't be a bitch he ain't never gonna be the same he is never going to be the same because you know the mustache means everything to them while they are there or when they get back everyone thinks that she is well actually most of the middle class is like what the fuck they went down there and they're okay they're alive they came back they even beat up the criminal this does not make the wife of the the lodgings happy so she lodges a complaint like a cunt hey she could have just asked them to leave the residence if it was upsetting her so much which i'm not sure why you would be upset when someone attacked you or attacked you, the people. Secondly, secondly, I think she just didn't want to let homeboy in the house. And, they, and then Doris was like, look, you freaking racist bitch. I paid for these rooms. So you ain't going to tell me who the fuck I could take in my room. All right. How about that? But I also thought in that moment, why didn't Harry and freaking Doris leave? <laughs> I know they were supposed to be hanging low, but they knew that they were on a short leash and they just kept making it shorter and shorter and shorter. Even the kid realized or the guy that they met, uh, what was his name? Mm, Davin? Yeah, Billy Botton. That's the name of the town. Even Davin was like, yeah, I don't think you got to have a place to stay when you get back sure enough the police is there on trumped up charges harry's trying to explain himself like he don't understand what trumped up charges are <laughs> then Raish comes in to try to to save the situation because he's kind of got a crush on doors and he ends up being blasted stunned by the stun gun and that allows for them to get away when doris is able to overpower she broke that dude's arm i'm like e when did you start taking taekwondo this this don't this i put it in the back of my head once again i was like keep an eye on that keep an eye on that <laughs> i don't know why but keep an eye on that Raish leads them to a hideout where Davin is. Davin calls Y. There's another standoff because for some reason the major's like, yeah, so I was only told to take Selden. I'm not taking the other two. I would think that the person that gave you the orders would be like, hey, I want Selden, but if he's got other people with him. <laughs> i think that that's okay this leads to a standoff where selden uses logic again to talk the guy down i will say if we're, since we're just on the part of the critique of the book for me the dialogue was was a lot i was having it could have been also the narrator everyone can't be jefferson mays but I felt some of the 
the back and forth between the characters like it it there was moments i found myself genuinely disliking harry mainly because it's like dude chill chill the fuck out why does everything need to be now you don't listen to anyone else you keep you mentioned to freaking doris 450 times doris that that you don't want her to get hurt and don't get in my way and oh let me take the chances and she just keeps i mean they had that argument at least 12 times and it was exhausting it was very exhausting <laughs> um it's a different time too so maybe the man had to play the the stereotypical hero but i would think if you're if you had so much um infatuation or understanding of the independence of Doris nature that you would not continue to bring up the same subject 12 different times uh so that would be my biggest complaint about the book is that the dialogue is very very stale (laughs) it's informational but when it comes to like the emotional part, like I I figured he was having a little bit of a crush on, on Doris, but I didn't like, I didn't feel them falling in love. So when they had the kiss at the end, it did nothing emotionally for me because I didn't see these two people as two people falling in love. I saw these two people in a working relationship that I don't understand yet. And I still at the end of it, uh, well, actually, I do understand at the end of it. <laughs> I just didn't get on board with the other part of it. And not for the reasons that we'll discuss in a minute. But this story, along with, uh, and it almost felt like, I don't know, Doors, because he even said like, oh, th- he picked this person that seemed to be right up my alley on how much cheddar was influencing everything here he might have been a little uh cagey with all his answers despite feeling forthright so after the doll section they're taken to y where they're they meet the mayor named rochelle who is the current mayor despite everyone in the galactic empire believing that her father Mannix is the mayor of Y, but he secretly passed his powers to his, uh, his, yeah, his powers, his reign to his daughter, something that, that, uh, Haman did not foresee. And because she is someone who is not quite as meticulous as, uh, Mannix was and Rochelle, the daughter she's more of a forthright action person was able to actively just go after Selden arranged it with Davin my guess is and they she explains to them she seems like a nice lady she takes a liking to Raish very much so she said that it reminded her of a lost love someone that was from Dow. And she even said, like, if you get much older, I can't even look at you due to a pain. Uh, so she wasn't allowed to marry the person that she loved. But she's considered a danger because she doesn't, she wants everyone to just rule themselves. And she'll just take the Galactic in, or Trantor in a couple of surrounding places. But for the most part, she wants to destabilize the monopoly that the galactic empire has now this is always the double-edged sword and also the other argument for america because with all of those bases everywhere is peace more attainable when you have one faction instead of fifty thousand fighting each other no matter how much that faction itself can become um kind of like a uh what's the word i'm thinking a superpower there we go (laughs) a superpower so you have the superpower and it at least keeps things in a in a rather controlled nature whereas 
what she's suggesting with the forces that Y has. She even said, look, I can take over the Galactic Empire in a day. And while they kind of are dismissive of that claim, I think that, and even Ido Demerzo admitted, eh, <laughs> I almost didn't catch it. Okay. And this could have actually happened. Shows that Ido is not infallible. And that's even brought up as well. Like I have limits too on where I can be, when I can be, who I need to study, who I don't need to study. I've been meticulously over decades handling the Y situation with Mannix, but all it takes is one change in a different person. I'm not aware that steps on the st uh, stage, which they, they've played with this, this concept a lot in sci-fi. Uh, what did they call it in Westworld? The, um, mm, they, I, yeah, no, I'm just going to say the insurgents. No, that's not right. <laughs> but the other people the, the 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 variables you can't account for right because everything boils down to that and since we're talking about math that's exactly what happened there was a variable in which was not accounted for and if it wasn't for um if it wasn't for doors really being there to be able to let Demrazel, aka Hummin, know what was going on. It's very possible that this could have all happened. Even not only that, there was two two moments in which Selden's life could have been taken, and there's nothing anyone could have done about it. So it's not a a guarantee. Just because there are other powerful things at play. But the powers that Demerzel has, we find out, is the power of uh, mentally influencing humans' emotions. Because after Rochelle's, uh, after she's discovered uh, to have a, uh, gotten Selden and she says look I can I can spread your notoriety I can make people believe that you are the man that knows and I don't need to do that by getting everyone on board no I have to do that by getting the most important the elite people on board and that's the thing everyone seems to have this opinion that they're all important they're, they're all the same no we're not there's the elite and then there's us there's some of us that are for more aware alert of what's going on in the shadows but we all we are always going to have the least amount of information <laughs> just how it trickles down and we are nowhere near the top so Rochelle comes in because they're like well I mean first uh Rach is taken to the zoo and Rachel overhears that her men have decided that they're no longer backing her because she's a woman, which is crazy because not only was she, has she been the natural heir for a very long time, the military swore allegiance to her. And now it seems as if this uh, natural prede prede predilection to be sexist exists within man Hummin was able to play on that one little insecurity to or amplify that insecurity so that even though they would probably have been successful in overtaking the government and as they believe themselves to be the rightful heirs of said government um her father admits that it doesn't even mention her and and basically gives up to the galactic empire's forces and now everything that rochelle thought she was going to be able to do has collapsed this is interesting to me because there's a new character coming in season two and they've put her characterization as queen Sereth of the cloud dominion 
and that she's someone who's used to being underestimated and she's on a secret plot of revenge and I'm thinking I wonder if they're going to try to pull in this offset storyline because in this we even say Rochelle is not going to be harmed even though she tried to kill Harry but because she could not kill Raish who stepped in front of Harry uh, Harry decided that he would not kill her for sparing the kid and then Haman's like I'm not going to kill her my guess is that she's just going to be made irrelevant and if they decide to do an offshoot of that storyline because why might be compared to what happened in this to keep it canon because they're in foundation right now the book foundation in the tv series so to kind of go back to the earlier novels to rebring that back in they could be using this queen seraph of maybe a, a daughter or uh it would make more sense if it was like a daughter <laughs> <laughs> someone uh to, the fact that it was a woman po woman's power that was taken away with demerzel using you know the most lame excuse in the world and she can't even understand why either like she's defeated in her her plans like we've been, we've been i've been raised like this and there's something they say about her rochelle is that unfortunately she's been raised to power so she doesn't fully understand um like her father did how her actions can create the chaos that she believes that she is not doing but but, but in the end it kind of just feels like she wants her ancestral power <laughs> like this should have rightfully been mine it's been usurped and we feel like our dynasty needs to be restored more so than humanity needs to be stopped from this uh, this fallout when the empire completely collapses because that's still going to happen. But for that to happen, my my thought is something clearly has to go wrong, <laughs> and someone else is going to have to take on Cleon. I've still got two books to read, so we'll see how this leads up to but that's where we really leave off on the novel because he calls uh Demrozel Hummin and Rochelle's like Hummin that's Demrozel you fool you've been playing his game the whole entire time but instead of being angry Harry is he's not angry at all if anything he's like that makes sense and when he hears out Ido Zemrazel, uh, who acknowledges uh, that he is, in fact, a robot, after Harry already suspected himself, not that he was Ido Zemrazel, but that he wasn't human. <laughs> He's like humming. Yeah, kind of sounds like human. He has all the arguments in place of why he knows he's a robot. Like, yeah, Doors is, is sent to protect me. Shit don't add up there. Uh, you, you know, the way in which I jumped off, I didn't even recognize myself, uh, when I, when I followed you on this adventure. Something is not adding up. And I'm a mathematician, bitch. So, you know, I'm going to get the algebra right. And eventually he admits that he's a robot because he needs him to be a robot. He figured out on Mycogen that a robot that actually can recall thousands of years of humanity and maybe even can, can plot out and give me the information I'm missing by focusing on one place being Trantor. Because he's like, all I need is to, to map Trantor to be able to to predict the rest of the world because from one place all the power goes and then you can you know I, I, he's way smarter and says it better but <laughs> I understood where he was getting when you have one pinpoint because history does it repeats itself consistently repeats itself and we either take two steps forward or two steps back sometimes then we leap four steps forward and then we take one step back or we take five steps back um 
and then we move eight steps forward. The good news is we keep moving further up than we do sliding further back down. And that is what we call progress. I know it's not easy to spot or see <laughs> unless you're absolutely objectified and really taking into account a lot. And I think that's what psychohistory is. It's, it's taking an objective look at exactly how humanity operates and then how do we subvert that in the necessary places that it needs to be. Demrazel is actually our Danny Oliver. Da is it Danny or Danielle? One or the other. R stands for robot. He admits that he can't influence humans, but he doesn't like to do it. And he only does so very little. He does only so much because it's something that can be easily taken advantage of. And then he gives the the three laws of robotic physics. Oh, God, I'm not going to know all these because um, he, he says them. <sighs> I know one is do not you got to protect man. Holy shit. Let me just find it. Okay, the first law is that a robot shall not harm a human or by inaction allow a human to come to harm. The second law is that a robot shall obey any instruction given to it by a human. And the third law is that a robot shall avoid actions or situations that could cause it to come to harm itself. It felt a little bit more complicated than that because it felt as if the second law was pretty much contingent upon the first law. Like they play off of each other, um, which I have questions about, especially since we had Demerzel get an order to kill in uh, the Foundation series. But this Bailey came up with the zeroth law, which is the law before the first three, which is a robot may not harm humanity or by inaction allow humanity to come no harm, which is interesting because that takes on the more altruistic task of making sure the survival of the species and the survival of the species means that it needs to be protected by anything that is not the species and the fact that we are out in this universe and it feels as if as we've seen in the second season there is going to be people with special abilities or maybe things uh what we consider uh, what we might consider an alien so to speak you never know what that fucks out in the universe when we go out there and it feels as if it is Ido Demrazel's mission in life which he has been doing since the fall of that aurora is my guess to protect humanity and to take action to hum allow humanity to not come to harm which is why he reached out to Harry for psychohistory because he believes that is one of the few things because he's not been able to come up with a solution that's going to help the fallout that he sees and predicts is going to happen. He says that uh, what's Doris is already aware of who he is. He says, look, I will help you. You will have everything you need. You will be given the time that you need. But you must never, well, at least I believe that you'll never tell anyone about me because your ego is too big. And you would never want anyone to know that an inanimate object, a robot, helped you achieve the greatest thing. Like you want, your, you want to be known as God, despite the fact that you yourself are aware that you have, <laughs> that you have a godlike ability. There's a lot going on with that. So Doris is a robot. <laughs> and that that made so much more sense to me. I was like, oh, that made sense. Why she'd just be casually walking around with her titties out. Tell my I don't mind if you don't mind. Since when? There's another man in this house. <laughs> there were a few lines that threw me off the whole thing about her saying she needed to protect. And then um 
him being like, I thought you'd do better to protect. And I don't want him to be yelling at me for being not protecting you. And I'm like, you are a 26 year old woman. What are you supposed to do? Protecting. And I always felt that Harry was the older man. And then him being like, have you ever had sex with anyone? (laughs) Oh, that's awkward. That's when it got creepy. (laughs) And it just ends with, will you kiss me again, Harry? I'm like, how is this supposed to work? I have so many questions. (laughs) I went with it in Westworld and I can go with it in this show. I just, I don't know. That was, I could see Harry having a crush on Doris. I never felt like Doris had any bit of any, I don't know. It wasn't a love story. It just wasn't a love story for me. And then by the end of it, the way they were even talking, I was like, yeah, you feel like you're the robot here. And he was like, I don't care, Doris. I just want you and I have to come up with these excuses. But if you realize you had feelings for a robot, okay, and she's like, well, I don't think this is going to work. <laughs> you already got an adopted kid. What? What, is, what else do you need? Um, yeah so that bit so i guess he's yeah i i I need to stop because i was shipping was i not was i not in westworld shipping a robot and a human i totally was i don't know why for some reasons maybe it's because i just keep seeing the actor that plays (laughs) harry selden in the series but then in the series there's i know for a fact there's supposed to be a daughter of harry selden showing up and i'm like interesting but i will say i have to divorce myself of some of this because if i do not uh, i will get a little caught up in my own brain because there's not a lot of other than race uh, i'm sure they could go into more of his backstory. i don't know how much they want to do gail's not in it uh she's not pushed into the situation this is right at the beginning before it's even developed so so we're gonna get to witness in the next book i'm guessing is how it becomes the how he becomes successful in it and i'm gonna enjoy those parts i think i'm gonna get more conflicted when i go more into what's next especially going into season two with some which i'm not gonna know what they're gonna what they're trying to do with uh i do know a little bit of spoilers which i'll throw out in case you know someone cares that i'm about to say this uh that that race has two daughters not one daughter that salvor harding is not his kid uh, his kid is uh one is wanda sheldon which ends up setting up the second foundation which in my opinion is either what gail is going to be doing or this new uh daughter of harry selden if they both could be doing it in the same way but i'm i'm not even a hundred percent sure about that because of how they're choosing to do salvor i think salvor is eventually going to come back to terminus now i'm more convinced of that than her staying with gail Gail may be a wild card we get to play with and she can play a lot of different characters I think uh I'd be fine with that but I'm uh basing it on what I know right now in this particular moment (laughs) and that one of his daughters just uh Raish's kids just um disappears there's elements from the book that they can definitely pull from to make it a little bit more streamlined than as I was stating stating prior in the book where there's a lot of different people that we're going to be shifting viewpoints from and it's not going to be this basis and I think what the writers and the the oh is it David S. Goyer is that for uh, House of the Dragon well we'll know when we get into the series but their idea is to kind of use Selden's familial familiarity and that that big story a little bit 
and then Gail, Dornick, and Raish by the extension of Raish being uh, Harry's adopted son stretch out that that empire story or that through the through the ages the way they intend on doing the Cleon bit with him being played at different ages and I think the most interesting one being the middle Cleon because the younger and the older we don't necessarily need they're not quite as important but they can be they could be used as uh easy fodder if you will for for different stages of the empire being deteriorated i'm more curious to what they're gonna do with this um with what they want to do i should say with with the lee pace character of cleon if he's gonna end up with the fact that everyone has now that their dna can they know that they don't have to be in the same cage uh than wanting to get out i have a really 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 random theory is that they could use lee pace to eventually become the mule um <laughs> yeah i know about that too i spoil my i don't know the details i don't know all the details i don't um but on some bits i do know i do know the mule is an antagonist and i know that the mule is never known like no one knows their true identity so i thought that was interesting uh and and again i'm thinking like a writer on how you can pull some of these things and really really give you what you what the book is but not necessarily giving you exactly what the book is because there's there's too many even the small differences are enough that i feel as if we're going to have our base characters taking on roles of other characters as well as getting some new because you that's kind of like with walking dead on those series where you just got got too many fucking people and no one wants to follow that many stories the expanse is one of the few shows that was able to do it but it really truly was still that same base six or seven people and you never really strayed too far off for that and that's why that show was so successful i want to keep comparing it to expanse but the expanse is the my favorite sci-fi series of all time so and it's one of the most successful i think tv adaptations to the book because you can look at the Expanse series and you can look at it, the book series and you're not too far off. I, you're just not. And it still makes sense uh, all the way consistently through six, seven seasons that they had. And if they would have finished the last three, they could have easily, uh, which we still have hope for, uh done even more justice to the things like they just they just knew how to condense such a long stretching decades really stretching story arc so i'm going to tip my my hat to the foundation writers for season two because i know it's not easy and uh, i'm curious on what they're going to roll out hopefully i will have the the second prequel read before then i should 16 hours i've already gotten it from the library for free audiobook while i'm doing work so yeah if you have any thoughts feelings <laughs> my very rambling review you can send that to blackercouch at gmail.com or you can leave a comment below my social media will be there as well like share subscribe until the next time peace hair grease Blacker magic. Correct. Hustling, 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 hustling.